Our Bible reading is 1 Peter 1, reading verse 3 to verse 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come to you so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thanks, David. Let's pray again as we turn to God's word. Heavenly Father, help us please, we pray, as we turn to your word, give us insight, give us ears to hear. Please give us a soft heart that is willing to accept what you say, to be built up and strengthened and challenged. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of my favorite books is a book called Unbroken. Um, it's also a film. You might have uh, read the book. You might have seen the film. Um, it's a true story of a guy called Louis Zamperini, um, an amazing guy, and an amazing story of survival. He was a long-distance runner in the Olympics uh, and then served in the American Air Force during the Second World War. Um, a number of things happened to him, difficulties um, across his, his life. I guess the major thing was when he was in the Air Force, uh, his plane crashed in the middle of the ocean, 850 miles from land. Then with the two others who survived the plane crash, he, uh, he uh, was 47 days adrift with minimal supplies. Um, finally, they, they reached land but when they did, they were arrested and made prisoners of war. They, uh, they arrived up on enemy territory. And in the prisoner of war camp, he was singled out by a particularly sadistic uh, prison officer who brought him time and time again to within an inch of his life. And yet, through all of those trials, he just kept going. In contrast to others who died along the way, he simply refused. What kept him going? Well, in a word, it was hope. That hope of getting home, hope of a better future, hope of getting to see his loved ones again that drove him to keep going. Having hope is so, so important. 
And of course, as believers in the Lord Jesus, we have an amazing hope to keep us going through this life. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today. A hope, a hope that helps us to keep going, to persevere through the trials of life and faith. Uh, we're going to be looking uh, this morning really at just verses 3 to 5 from 1 Peter 1. What is our hope as believers in the Lord Jesus? What do we look forward to? Well, it's described in these verses in two ways. Uh, verse 4 is described as an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And in verse 5, as the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Two ways of describing the same thing are hope. But what is that salvation? What is that inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade? Well, to think more about that, we've got to go back to the Old Testament. What was it that God's people in the Old Testament inherited? What was their inheritance? Well, it was the promised land, the land of Canaan, which then became the land of Israel. So, for example, in Exodus 32, where God says, I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance. The land was their inheritance. Or Leviticus 20, uh, God says, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. In the Old Testament, God's people, their inheritance was the promised land. Each tribe had their own area within it. Each family had their plot on it, a share in the promised land, a place to live and belong and enjoy God's blessing and protection. Now, our, our future inheritance as God's people isn't that land, Israel or Jerusalem, but it is a new promised land, what the Bible describes elsewhere as the new Jerusalem or a new creation, a renewed earth when Jesus comes back. In other words, a physical place for us to live, where, where we can live in our new physical resurrection bodies. A new promised land. But unlike the first promised land, which got spoiled by their sin, you'll remember, and which was still subject to the curse of the fall, and which diminished as it kind of was split up and was lost, our inheritance as believers, our future, can never perish, spoil, or fade, Peter tells us. As one person puts it, our inheritance can't be ruined by death, spoiled by sin, or become faded with time. It is unfading. And that really is an amazing thought. Do you know, when you get when we get maybe, maybe something for Christmas, a gadget or a shirt or I don't know what, we get something and we're thrilled by it. Um, but then after, in time, we get used to it and we're not so thrilled by it anymore and we then look to the next thing. But we're told here that as believers in the Lord Jesus, our future inheritance is unfading meaning not only will we receive it gleaming and sparkling, 
but also that it will it'll never lose its shine to us. We'll never tire of it. We'll never fail to be absolutely delighted by it. Our hearts won't ever be drawn to want anything else. It's unfading. We're told also that this promised land is being kept in heaven for us. That is far beyond the reach of harm in this world and under God's watchful eye, God, if you like, being the security guard. As Jesus himself says, moth and vermin will not destroy it. Thieves will not break in and steal. So imagine a country country where the light makes the colors even more vibrant and varied. A country where the scenery is unlike anything you've seen in this world. A country where there's no season that you dread and no month that you wish you could just fast forward yourself through. A country where there's no health issues, no COVID, no flu, no cancer, no Alzheimer's, no loneliness epidemic, no mental health crisis. A country where there are no ambulances because there's no sickness or accidents, no police because there's no crime, no lawyers because there are no disputes, and no funeral directors because there's no death. A country where everyone is content, where everyone who lives there feels at home, who, who say, well, look, here is where I belong. This is where I want to stay, here in this country forever. If you were to ask the citizens of this country about their king, well, they'd speak to you at length and with great enthusiasm. They'd say to you, well, um, he is just so compassionate and kind and gracious and loving and good and just. They would speak about how they know each of him personally because he doesn't live hidden away in his own palace, but lives among them. That is the Bible's picture of our future inheritance, the new promised land, the new earth, what it's going to be for believers when Jesus comes back. That is what we hope for. That is our inheritance and our future salvation. But we might be thinking to ourselves, well, look, is it real? I mean, isn't it just wishful thinking? That's certainly what some people will say. I think I've mentioned it uh, from here before, how the late Professor Stephen Hawking spoke of the idea of, a, of the, the religious idea of an afterlife as a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. In other words, he said that we just need to be, to be brave and we've just got to accept the fact that when we die, we rot and that's it. And that's something that can niggle us too, though maybe we feel we can't admit it. Because of course, this world, it just feels so real. We can see it, we can touch it, we can smell it. It's there in front of us. We live in it. It's real. But a future inheritance kept in heaven for us, well, at times it can just feel like words on a page. How do we know that this is real? And the answer that Peter gives us to that, we know it's real is because it's grounded in something that really happened in this world 
on a day in history. That is, our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So again, just looking at verse 3. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What makes our hope real and living and not a fantasy? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The reality that on the cross, Jesus didn't just go into a coma or faint, but that he actually died. And that three days later, his body wasn't stolen or lost, but actually literally raised to new physical life. The reality that God, who wrote and enforces the laws of nature and death, reversed them to bring his son back to life. How does that reality make our hope real? Well, it shows us that God is able to raise the dead. He's done it before. He can do it again. It gives us, a, if you like, a, a two-minute movie trailer of what God's going to do in a far grander scale when Jesus comes back at the end of time. No, our hope is real. It's not a fantasy. It's not, a, it's not wishful thinking. It's not a pipe dream. It is real because it's based on the reality of Christ's resurrection from the dead. But then we might, we might still have doubts about our future. We might still wonder, well, look, is it for me? Am I on the right road heading to this destination? Because it might be that you think to yourself, look, I, I, I'm persuaded that this future is real, that it's wonderful, that it's going to happen, but I'm not at all sure that I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not sure I'm on that road. Because, you see, I've got these sins that I'm battling with, and I'm not the person that I wish I was. And, you know, you see me on the outside, and I scrub up okay, but inside I've got all of these wrong desires and wrong motives going on. Is this for me? Am I heading for this future? That might be a question you're thinking through. Now, in truth, I can't answer that question for all of us. Um, the truth may be that you are not on the road to this destination. That as things stand today, you stand to miss out on this amazing future. And not only to miss out, but to face God's judgment at the end of time for our sin. Because this future is not for everyone automatically. So how would we discern whether we are heading for this future, whether we are on the right road to this destination. Peter gives us two things to consider. Firstly, he reminds us that real hope is based on mercy, not merit. Have a look. If you've got your Bible open, have a look down at verse 3. Chapter 1, verse 3. See how good my reading is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great sense of justice and fairness and equity, he has rewarded us and repaid us what we deserve for our good deeds with new birth into a living hope. Is not how verse 3 reads. No, 
in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. So the question for us isn't, have I done enough to earn this inheritance? None of us have. Real hope is based on mercy, not merit. Secondly, real hope is for God's children. Uh, You know, to be given new birth means to become a member of God's family. It means to have God as our father. It means to be one of his children. And when we're a child, we're an heir. I guess if my kids knew where to look in our house, they could rummage around and find my will. And if they were to find it, they would be able to see their names in black and white and their inheritance. They're heirs because they're my children. They're written into my will, and no uh, poor school report or uh, bad behavior is going to change that. So on some Tuesday evening, they're a bit slow to get out of the bath or their room is a bit of a mess. I'm not going to say, look, listen, boys, I'm going to write you out of my will. That's how it is with God. If we're truly his children, we're his heirs. And that means he's not going to write us out of his will. No matter how up and down our lives may be at points. So am I heading for this future? I believe it's real. I believe it's wonderful. Am I heading for it? How would we answer that? Well, have you asked God for mercy? And have you been given new birth? Are you therefore his child and therefore an heir? If the answer to that is yes, then this is the future that you are heading for. How can I tell if I've been given new birth? Do you resemble your new dad? Would be the question to that. We'll never fully resemble him, not in this life. And yet at the same time, it'll be just be obvious who his children are because of the family resemblance, a growing resemblance to our father. And of course, it's worth us saying at that point that we need other people to help us with this, Um, other people to either tell us straight and say, look, I don't see much resemblance of the father in you, or to reassure us and tell us, well, look, you, you may not see much resemblance, but to everyone else, it's very obvious, a growing resemblance to your father. So we might believe that this future is real and wonderful. We might even be humbly reassured that no, I'm a child of God and I am heading towards this this future. But there's one last niggle that might just get us. We may just worry, well, what about between now and then? In other words, will my faith get me there? Will it hold out, or will I lose my way? Will I be kind of enticed off the road by sin, or shunted off the road by suffering? And if that's us, I think verse 5 can really offer us help, because it reminds us that God is powerfully shielding our faith. At verse 4, God has given us new birth into an inheritance which is kept in heaven for you. You, verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. 
So do you see that double protection? We are protected in two ways. Our inheritance is being kept safe for us under God's watchful eye, and we are being kept safe for it because God is powerfully shielding our faith. So faith is holding on to God's promises. God empowers it. God strengthens our grip, sustains us, and keeps us trusting. It's a bit like that um, song that we sometimes sing, a wonderful song, wonderful reassurance. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. And that's what he does. Our faith is guarded by God's power. Now, this is a wonderful reassurance, isn't it? He will keep us going. You know, I used to have, it was my first car, I used to have a little old Metro, and it was very small and lightweight. Um, it was rattly, it was rusting, it was falling apart at the edges. Um, and of course, sometimes our faith can feel like a little car like that, a little battered Metro. And as we look ahead, down the road to our final destination, we know that there are going to be potholes and storms and difficulties and difficult conditions, and we think, how am I going to make it with my rattly faith? But then we look out the window, and we see that we are, in fact, in convoy with six brand-new armored Land Rovers carrying spare parts and extra fuel and new tires and tow ropes even for when we need them to guard us, to keep us going. That's like God's power guarding our faith, making sure that all of his true children keep trusting until the end of the road. Our hope is a wonderful hope. Our hope is real not a fantasy. It's based on mercy and new birth, and God's power guards our faith that we might get there. How should we respond to this amazing hope that we've been hearing of? Let me just mention three ways, very, very briefly. Firstly, with faith. We've been, we, we are given this hope of amazing future when we respond to Jesus in faith. That is, when we accept the need for his mercy and turn and live for him. You know, maybe for you, maybe just one or two this, this morning, as you've been hearing this, you think, you know, I don't yet trust in Jesus. I haven't yet turned and followed uh, and submitted myself to him. I think it would be a wonderful day to do that that you too might join us on this road to this amazing future. Will you put your trust in Christ? Faith. Secondly, certainty. Now, for us who do believe, um, this reminds us that we can have certainty about our future. God wants us to be sure of our future. To be sure, we've got to keep remembering the basis of it. Christ's resurrection from the dead, a real true event. Our future is sure, it is real. We can 
be certain. And then thirdly, I guess the most obvious response, praise. That's where Peter goes. Chapter 1, verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's so appropriate, isn't it? Because he is the one who's made it all possible. He's the one who's going to get us there. He is worthy of all of the praise and glory for his mercy in giving us such a wonderful hope. Let's pray. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Heavenly Father, we do indeed praise you and thank you for our hope, our wonderful inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Please, Heavenly Father, would you sustain our faith? Please, would you give us real certainty and joy as we live in the light of that coming future hope? In Jesus' name, amen.